You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Twitter Tuesday edition, getting into your questions. Thanks for all the questions that everybody sends in every week and throughout the week. At BB Peacock is where you can find me. Matt Williamson is at Williamson NFL on Twitter. You can always get those in anytime. You don't have to wait for us to ask for those on a Monday as we're getting ready for our Twitter Tuesday episodes. And Matt, one quick note that I want to talk about here, something we never covered that I think is interesting. And now um, uh, I saw an article from our good buddy, Mike Sando of The Athletic, breaking down the fifth-year options for teams over the last 10 years. And we never talked about this year's fifth-year options that were and were not picked up. Yeah, we, it's something that we should at least bring up. Uh, and it's, it's a little bit water under the bridge. It happened a while ago. And a high percentage of them were. It was a pretty good first round, all in all. Um, but I think we need to bring it up. Yeah, well, let's, let's buzz through those. So or at least uh, the, the negatives are, you know. Yeah, and really the big ones are the 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 ones that were not picked up from the 2018 draft for those fifth-year options that will be next year. So you're picking it up going into year four for year five. Um, Josh Rosen, obviously there's no opportunity to pick that up because of where his career has gone and ended up on practice squads and now maybe the fourth quarterback, third quarterback potentially for the 49ers going into the 2021 season. Leighton Vander Esch, not picked up by the Dallas Cowboys, the 19th overall selection, and that was the earliest aside from Josh Rosen, uh, who was in the top 10. Billy Price not picked up by the Bengals. Matt, just feel free to stop me. I'm going to run through these if you have any big thoughts, or we'll just talk about them all, that were not picked up. Um, 21st overall I am going to stop you real quick, because, sure. I mean, Vander Esch, I think, has really had a hard time staying on the field and living up to his rookie, you know, performance. And then they draft Micah Parsons as well as Jabril Cox. So this tandem uh, of, you know, Smith and Vander Esch that they thought they were set for years and years, they could be without neither one of them soon. And generally, if you don't pick up a fifth-year option, it means you're probably not super happy about even the fourth-year salary for a first-round draft pick. And Almost always these players, it means they're gone and they're on their last year with the team that drafted them and, and in a lot of cases maybe leaving the team that drafted them before they even get to uh, the end of their fourth season with that team. And it could be the case with some of these. And, and really the end of the first round was bad and the top of the first round was good. I think this is a good way to put it yeah, for 2018. Yeah. So from 19 to 31, there's 10 different like over half the picks, the options weren't picked up. So mm-hmm. Van Der Esch was 19, Billy Price 21st, Rashawn Evans, linebacker from the Titans, they will not exercise his 2018 option. He was the 22nd overall pick. Hayden Hurst, now on a new team, 25th overall pick, not exercised. Rashad Penny, not a surprise. The Seahawks will not exercise his option as the 27th overall pick. The Steelers, 28th pick that year was safety Terrell Edmonds. Uh, Taven Bryan, interior defensive lineman for the Jaguars, not exercised. His option is the 29th pick. So 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31, all not exercised. Cornerback Mike Hughes for the Vikings and Sony Michelle running back for the Patriots. Yeah, no shocks really on that list. I mean, I, I guess mo- most of those names you mentioned, Price and some of the others, um, were flat out busts. You know, have not been very you know productive football players. Bryan for the ja- the Jags. Evans and especially Edmonds are two that I still think are quality starters. They were probably somewhat tough decisions, 
But in the end, I mean, these fifth-year options are pretty pricey now. Since the CBA change, they're they're a lot they're a lot less team friendly than they used to be. So um, when in doubt, teams are going to go against them. And I just want to bring up Tennessee real quick because I'm not saying Evans is going to you know be similar and blow up this year or anything like that. But they've kind of screwed it up twice now. I mean, a year ago. They didn't pick up Corey Davis, and then the year before that, they didn't pick up Jack Conklin, and both went on to get huge contracts and make big bucks. And you know that'll result in comp picks for Tennessee, but um, it, it's not always the right decision to decline them. I'm looking at that end of the first round too, and there were some picks that were a little bit head scratchers, and yeah. sometimes you think, oh, yeah, these teams know more than we do, right? And then you look at him, you're like, okay, Rashad Penny, that was, it was a bad pick, as I thought it was yeah, at the time. Right, right. Terrell Edmonds, Edmonds maybe overdrafted. Taven Bryan is like, oh, okay, that's a first-round pick for you, huh? And so uh, a lot of those picks, you, when you see them and, and you think, man, they're not that good, but maybe the teams know more than we do. Uh, yeah, sometimes they don't. <laughs> no, sometimes they don't. And to your point about the first half of the first round being pretty easy, you know, pick up a lot of the options. Some of the guys have already even been extended already. I think this is a great draft class to really demonstrate that most years there's 15-ish players that are first-rounders any year they come out. And then by about pick 18, 19, all the way to 50, there isn't that big a difference. You know I mean? And a lot of these guys really fit that mold. Yep, and only two players in the top 20 options weren't picked up. One of those at 19, the other was Josh Rosen at 10. Colton Miller has yep. actually signed a three-year extension, so he's not going to be on his option deal with the Raiders. And I'll just run through the names. If you don't remember some of those picks from the 2018 draft, this was a really good draft in the it top was. 20. That's where you were hoping you were drafting here. Or 32, where the Ravens moved up to get Lamar Jackson and, of course, picked up his option to end round one. But Calvin Ridley... Uh, DJ Moore, Isaiah Wynn, Frank Ragnall's a star center, uh, Jair Alexander, Derwin James. Hopefully he is healthy. That would be so fun. I don't know how he fell to the 17th pick in that draft for the right. Chargers. Tremaine Edmonds for the Bills. Marcus Davenport's an interesting one. I wasn't sure they would pick that one up yeah, as the 14th one, yeah. pick, but maybe they felt like they were uh, too pot obligated because of how much they spent to go up and get him in that draft. Uh, and then they use a defensive end. They use a first round pick on a defensive end this year too. Yeah, though, so yeah. not um, a ring endorsement. Drawn Payne, Washington at thirteen. Vita Vea at pick twelve. Minka Fitzpatrick now with the Steelers. It was the eleventh pick that year. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, ninth overall selection. His option was picked up. There was some question there, but he's been mostly good. Uh, Roquan Smith. There was some question there with him because he started off shaky and has played much better of recent for the Bears. Josh Allen, of course, that option picked up. Quentin Nelson, Bradley Chubb, Denzel Ward. Sam Darnold's was another big question there, but the Panthers traded for him, exercised that option. They want to see that fifth year and get two years with Sam Darnold there. Uh, then, of course, Barkley and Mayfield were the first two picks in that draft. Yeah, I, I really only have two more. Well, three, I guess. Darnold's was picked up after the draft, which I think was a little bit of gamesmanship, you know, showing people, hey, maybe we'll take Fields or somebody like that if mm -hmm. he's available. I don't think they really had any intention of doing so, and they passed on Fields. And for the Jets, um, leaving the option for the team they trade him to to decide for themselves. Yeah, good point, good point. That makes him at least a little bit more attractive. You have that control. Um, a lot of those names you just mentioned are about to break the bank. You know, teams like the Browns that have been spenders, now we're going to have to pay Mayfield. Allen's about to get a huge contract. Lamar, 
I'm sure Quentin Nelson's about to become the highest paid guard ever. You know, a lot of those great hits are going to be big ones. And then the last one's just a little Steeler note too, because it's a little odd that they had two play. I mean, they traded for Minka, but they had two safeties that they had to pick up the option on. So I don't think that helped Edmonds cause mm. either is we're already paying a fifth year option for Minka, who is an easy, easy decision. Are we going to do it also for another safety? I wonder, and I don't know if you remember but way back in 2018 before the draft, were the Steelers trying to move up for Minka in that draft potentially and could have just sort of knocked out both of those moves in one move if they got him on draft day instead or Derwin James? No, that was the year they took Edmonds, right? Okay, yes. that year was right after Shazier got hurt and they had a massive need at linebacker that they didn't fill and then they did finally by trading up for Bush, you know, because they were really targeting Vander Esch, Evans, Roquan was going to go earlier, but there was four or five linebackers. Mm. None of them were available when the Steelers picked, so they took a big safety to put in the box as kind of a, 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 a consolation prize. They had no shot at Minka, but I found out after the fact they they had him as like their sixth-ranked player in that draft. I mean, they loved him, but they were just picking way too late to get involved. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and, and going back to Mike Sando's article here, he went back for the last 10 years and looked at the percentage of fifth-year options that were picked up by teams. And you can really get a, a really good view of how well teams utilize their first-round picks. And at the very bottom of the list, it blows me away, the Seattle Seahawks have picked up zero options in 10 years. <laughs> That's crazy. Going back to 2011, guard James Carpenter. Bruce Irvin's option was not picked up, even though he's been a pretty good player from the 2012 draft. They've traded a lot of their first-round picks, too, so they've only drafted six players in the first round over the course of the last 10 drafts. Uh, Jermaine Infetti, not picked up. Uh, Rashawn Penny, we just talked about, not picked up. Then for 2019 and 2020, the next two they'll have to decide on is LJ Collier and Jordan Brooks. And the jury's out on those, but it's looking like LJ Collier's will probably not get picked up either. So sure. pretty bad there. Um uh, the Jaguars. With the, and maybe that's why they don't make him any first round picks or yeah, trading them for players because they stink at it. I would trade them too. And they've done pretty right. well in, in rounds right. two, three, four. So why not just utilize those picks instead? The Jaguars were the next worst at 25% and they've had a ton of picks, but they did not pick up the option on Blaine Gabbert. We're going back to 2011, 2012, Justin Blackman, some all time busts there. With Luke Jokel, Blake Bortles. They did pick up, even though he was not great. Uh, Dante Fowler. They did not pick up. They traded him to the Rams. Jalen Ramsey, they did pick up, but still traded him. Leonard Fournette, they did not pick up. And we just heard about Taven Bryan, who they did not pick up. And then pass rusher Josh Allen, Caleb Von Chason, C.J. Henderson, Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, obviously will be upcoming in the next few years. But think how different those two teams are. I mean, Seattle made very few picks, and I'm sure on average was probably like 26th in the round. I mean, they're always at the end of the first round where you're not getting any of the blue chip players where the Jags made a ton of first-round picks and missed on, like, all of them, and they're all super early picks. I mean, Jalen Ramsey's a Ram now. I mean, they, they hit on him, but, wow. I mean, that's just horrific traffic. Zero to show yeah. for what they – well, they have extra picks this year still from uh, from some trades Ramsey they've made, deals, but yeah. the, on their current roster, they have zero wins to show for all of those drafts. It's pretty crazy. Unbelievable. Uh, let's go to the top just really quick. We don't have much time. I want to get to some of these questions here. But the 100 percenters, the Los Angeles Chargers, they picked up 100% of their options from 2011 to 2018. Corey Legit, Melvin Ingram, DJ Fluker, Jason Verrett, Melvin Gordon, Joey Bosa, Mike Williams, and Derwin James now. 
And it's not an awesome list, but it's a pretty solid one. There's no misses. And how about this one, the Houston Texans, which is surprising because yeah. this was a playoff team that was destroyed over the last couple of years. J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Jadavian Clowney, Kevin Johnson, Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson, all of those options picked up. And then uh, in 2019, Maybe Titus Howard. Maybe hang on to your first-round picks. Yeah. So, <laughs> and use them, yeah. Pretty amazing. So those were the uh, 100 percenters. The next was the Panthers at 88%. They've only not picked up one option since 2011. Uh, the Rams also, Greg Robinson was the only one they hadn't picked up, but they also haven't drafted a first-rounder since 2016. <laughs> right, Jared Goff was their last first-round pick. So. so there you go. Just some interesting, interesting stuff there. Yeah, it is good stuff. Good stuff by Sando, as always. Let's get to those Twitter Tuesday questions next. No NFL games to bet on, but NBA playoffs are happening and are super fun, especially when you've got a little extra on the line. Major League Baseball every day, all summer long. All your sporting needs, odds, latest news at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action at BetOnline. This is your chance to get into the game. NBA playoffs, there's Triple Crown, Horse racing, golf majors happening, the PGA Championship, and not just sports, by the way, a ton of other things to get involved with at Bet Online. There is table games, poker, blackjack, even reality TV and award shows to bet on. Head to the website or use your device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit with promo code locked on. That is promo code locked on at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor like jalapeno? Recently, if you find that one, give it a shot. I was pleasantly surprised. Coconut, coconut almond, peanut butter is my favorite, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie. Salted caramel, double chocolate, raspberry, some of the classic flavors there, and they're filtering through new flavors all the time. Something for everyone. And as we know from the Built Bar bracket, some passionate fans about their favorite flavors. Not only are Built Bar the best tasting protein bars on the market, they're healthy too. We're talking 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of net carbs, and 4 grams of sugar. You can find a flavor that satisfies you or build your own box of Built Bars and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. As is the usual, some of the questions we get throughout the week are folks that listen to our podcasts and, and have a gripe with something that we said. So a couple of those are about how the Saints improved or did not, and how the Patriots improved or did not. Let's start with Quite Terrific, who says, at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL, how did the Saints get worse? Is the issue that they didn't necessarily get better? Saints have been devoid of a downfield passing game for the last two years. Jameis brings this back to the table, took three Breeze picks, and Cook fumble to lose to Tampa Bay last year. I'm actually on board with this side of things, in that... The Saints have been pretty successful over the last two years in games Breeze has missed. I'm not saying Winston is better than Drew Breeze or certainly not career-wise, but I don't think it's crazy to suggest that they might be at least as good, if not better, at the quarterback position this year and that Breeze was a liability at the very end of his career and that Winston might actually be better than the 30-pick season we saw two years ago or whatever. I mean, he's got LASIK. He's been coached up by the best. 
They obviously like them. Um, however, I still think the Saints starters are really, really good. I mean, one of the best lines in the league, a couple big-time weapons. I think it's a fantastic defense, but the depth here is really bad. And there's two reasons for it. Is First of all, the last two drafts, they've only made a couple picks in each draft. They keep trading up for their guys. You know, they're, they're not getting a lot of mid-round picks as depth for cheapness. And that doesn't correlate with their the way they handle the salary cap. You know, they're super aggressive. They max out their credit cards like no team in the league. So they had to move on from a lot of guys and not bring much talent back. You know, Sheldon Rankins, for example. Guys like that that are quality players that other teams were, you know, looking for, would gladly take off their hands. So trotting out their top, their, 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 their top 11 on opening day on both sides of the ball, they look great. But the bottom half of their roster is lacking. I agree with a lot of what you said. I would sort of pump the brakes on the Jameis Winston stuff. We saw what Tampa Bay looked like when you put in a Hall of Fame quarterback that's 43 years old, and I think Brady is obviously playing at a higher level than Breeze had been recently, but I would take Breeze throwing left-handed and checking the ball down <laughs> and managing the game the way he does you know, in a Hall of Fame caliber way sure. over what we've seen throughout Jameis Winston's career. Now, can Jameis Winston be more than that? Maybe, and I'll buy some of that, and, and, and we'll see. And they, they have a good team, and they can still win games with some you know decent quarterback play, so that's not my issue there. But, I mean, if Winston's not that guy and an injury here or there and that depth, those depth issues, and that's where things could really crumble, I think, quickly for the Saints. And so, you know, the salary cap stuff that they've had trouble in free agency making sure that they keep people and and add to the depth and add to the roster. So, it's good. It's very good. Uh, if you plug them in on Madden, I think you're going to be okay. Uh by week 16, there could be some problems though for the Saints, and that's what I worry about for them. I I don't disagree with anything you said. And and I have two more notes on that is I often bring this up that there's a half a dozen coaches or so in the league too that I don't know if their teams would ever bottom out. You know, I mean, the the, the Carrolls, the Tomlins, the Harbaugh's, and Peyton is certainly in that that neighborhood that he knows how to get the most out of whatever you give them and will manufacture wins even whenever they're not the best team on the field. And to your point about Breeze, there's absolutely a lot of value in that all-time great veteran you know, super experienced guy. Brady's the best example, but even Ben and Rivers and these guys that are close to cooked or cooked, still just knowing this corner's coming off the edge. I got to change protection. Here's my hot route. You know, all those yeah. type of things that come second nature to that. Yeah. And it's like that one beautiful 40 yard pass down the field that Winston connects is fine. But what about the 30 passes before that? And, right. and the decisions that were made and things like that. So there's a lot more to it than just, you know, Breeze was old and, and his arm was shot. And, and frankly, that, that brings me to a diff different topic, but that's a big problem that people have with draft prospects too at the quarterback position. Like, look at all these things he does so oh, right. well. <laughs> and and that also applies to like the offensive lineman. Like, boy, Mekhi Becton's mashing people, but he missed this stunt. I mean, and I'm not picking on Becton, but he missed this stunt that, Joe Blow would have picked up. I mean, you can't have the the crater plays either. And, you know, a lot of quarterback prospects, and I think this is sort of true for Fields, who I love. The highlights are awesome, but there's no stat for you should have thrown the ball here and you didn't. Absolutely. 
the Patriots. This one from Andrew says, you guys seem awfully high on the Patriots for a 7-9 and nine team that has bottom 10 quarterback play and splurged on a bunch of mediocre free agents. I'm not buying the hype. I see another third place finish. What am I missing? Um, I don't know that I'm not picking them to win, win, win the division. I think they got a really good chance to go to the playoffs seven out of the 16 in the AFC. The fact that they were seven and nine last year, I think is you know, marvelous. Really? Well, I, mean, I would it, say, I, the, I would say mediocre. That? They, you know, the mediocre free agents. And I agree. I think there was some bad money that was spent, but mediocre is better than what the roster they had that went seven and nine was last year. So that's an upgrade. And back to my point about Sean Payton, Belichick's the best example to win seven games with no passing game and a really bad roster. I mean, a, bo- a bottom five in the league roster after COVID's opt outs was really impressive to me. I mean, to, the fact that they were anywhere close to 500, I think most coaches win four games with that roster. I think Cam's a better player than he showed last year. And I do think COVID and some other things got in his way. I think they have a great offensive line. Um, and, and I think their defense is going to be really, really good. I wouldn't have spent money in the exact same way they did. I mean, uh, and I would be in, you know knocking on the door for Julio Jones. I mean, by no means would I have settled for Bourne and Aguilar as my receivers. Um, but I bet Bill wins 9 or 10. Yep, and, and, and that's the thing. And that's what was yeah. – obviously, they were hit the most – by opt-outs as well. So you're getting a ton of Big players time. back there. Who knows? You had Julio to it, and I, I agree with you. First of all, Cam came in late and had COVID too, so we should see a better version even of Cam. They drafted a rookie 15th overall. If they don't like Cam, maybe you get that going too, but to win seven games last year was super impressive, and they're definitely a better team even if they did overspend on some guys. Right, right. I mean, uh, uh, team building aside, what they have right now is way better than it was a year ago. And you go ahead and feel free to bet against Bill Belichick. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do it. <laughs> How about this one? Are you underestimating the rest of the Packers roster outside of Aaron Rodgers? This one from Joshua on Twitter. David Bakhtiari, Devontae Adams, Elton, Elton Jenkins, uh, Jair Alexander, Aaron Jones, Darius Smith, on and on, were all pro bowlers last year. What do you think? Uh, I, I think I was a little bit more pro. This one might be more directed toward you, Matt, that you said yeah. they were a six-win team without Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and I... I I think the it's a great question because sometimes when I refer to the Packers, I immediately think I'm selling this roster short. It's not just Aaron Rodgers and the Pips. I mean, it's a it's a very good team. They have star power. You mentioned a few of them, and we could probably name five more names that are really good at what they do. Um, depth isn't bad. Coaching isn't bad. I, I just think this goes back kind of to the Drew Brees point, let alone guy playing at the MVP level, that – with all respect to Jordan Love, he probably almost assuredly would be a bottom third quarterback this year if he was plugged in there, where Rodgers was a top two quarterback this year. The, the position's just so important. I think that's a difference of six wins or seven wins. We've got some more questions about Rodgers. Julio Jones, of course, we were going to get questions about that. And we will finish up this episode of Twitter Tuesday coming up. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer? You can't see what he's looking at. He's looking at this screen, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. Then you got to come back and wait for the part to even get there. 
you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket with an endless supply of everything you need for your vehicle. I'm always blown away at how much they have in stock at rockauto.com. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are always the same for everybody and are always reliably low. Just let them know that Locked On sent you. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. By the way, Matt, did you see Aaron Rodgers on ESPN with Kenny Mayne and kind of trying to talk about his reasoning for everything that's going on right now no but i saw the headline that basically he said this isn't a jordan love thing this isn't a money thing that's all about as much as i know yeah he pretty much said all the things he loves so you could deduce the things he doesn't love which is it's the front (laughs) office but he said it wasn't the picks he's like it's it's not about the picks at all he says i love jordan i love working with him Uh, i love the coaching staff the fans green bay he went through the history talking about lombardi and Curly Lambeau and Brett Favre and uh, Bart Starr. You know, he just like went through the whole list of Packers history. Essentially, he's got a problem with the current front office. And he said it was something about, you know, the people and it's all about the people. And but that's like, okay, well, they're drafting and bringing in free agents. So that means you have to not like the picks at a certain point if they're bringing in bad people or or they're just not nice to you in the office. Like I'm I'm trying to figure out exactly where Rodgers is coming from on this. But it, it sounded a lot more like, you know, it's not that big of a deal because it didn't sound like something that you would be moving on f- because you love every- all these other things just because you don't like one of the other people in the front office or maybe they're just not giving them enough credit and enough say so in it uh, just it, w- it was hard for me to figure out a couple of the, I mean Mike, Mike Lombardi brings this up a lot too like Gudenkust I hope I say his name right because I often don't and it's not an easy one to say so I'm not embarrassed that's correct you know uh, yeah he gets a lot of the arrows for this but he's also built this roster we talked about that's pretty darn good and they've won 13 games two, two years in a row but Mark Murphy's the guy that runs the team I mean he's the closest thing to an owner there he's the big he's the top honcho and what's weird is not having an owner I absolutely think Rodgers remembers the way Favre was treated when Rodgers was a new guy and has probably feared that since day one. You hear some rumors, and I guess they're rumors, that they don't communicate very well as a team. And I think not having an owner has a lot to do with that. It's different when the longtime owner comes, calls you up, takes you to dinner or whatever, and you talk things out as a star player. Things like Jordy Nelson get, be moving, moving on from him. And I heard things like, they never even had any communication with Corey Lindsley this offseason. Just season was up, never talked to him again, boom, he's gone. You know, like at least extend a hand, mm. you know, we'd like to bring you back, best of luck, you know, whatever. You know, like I, I have heard things like that. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that angle of it, and that could be huge, just treating veteran players yeah. in a way that, that is, is, you know, deemed disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to that, and I think Favre felt some of it, and again, I think there's an awful lot to that longtime owner walking through the locker room once in a while and just saying, hey guys, how you doing? We got this, we're a team, or you know, uh, certainly communicating with your top player, your quarterback, and a trust factor there that this team might not have because of the way they're constructed. 
One more quick one on Rodgers. This is a, a, a Rodgers and Julio wrapped up in a bow question from DNA Fit. He says, do you think it's possible this offseason one team could land both Julio and Rodgers? If so, <laughs> then who? I would think the Broncos would be that only team that could do that, right? Because maybe they have to give up some receivers to get Rodgers, then they want to replace the receivers with Julio, and they have some cap space, but they would have no draft picks left. Ooh. What about the Raiders? Oh, Send- that would be a Raidery move. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Sent I guess R to Green that. Bay with a first for Rodgers, and send a second to Atlanta for Julio. You know, give or take, sprinkle some things in. And then That's the other a pretty Raiderish move. The other one would be just the Packers because they would only have to make one move because they already have Rodgers. We brought that up a lot. You yeah, know, send love to Atlanta or whatever. One Julio thing that I haven't brought we, we you and I haven't talked about, but my my cohort on my Steelers show has brought up a couple times is. It's kind of along those love lines that if I'm Atlanta, I think I want a young player more than I want a future second. You know, like we've seen these rumors that Julio was working out with a Dallas Cowboys t-shirt on. And you immediately say, well, that doesn't matter. He's not going to be a Cowboy. But what if I send you Michael Gallup in a fourth? Okay, you know, give me a cheap labor guy that can help me win this year. If I'm Atlanta, that might be the route I'm after, you know. Yeah, or or both. Someone says, "Look, we we don't want to give you a first round pick," and and you're like, "Okay, give us a whatever next year pick," but you have to give us a young player too because and right, they right. need they need they can't have an expensive veteran player either. So they need cheap, young, controllable talent. Absolutely, you know somebody, and it could be anywhere. It could be on the defensive side of the ball for sure, some sort of receiver. But I might prefer that if I'm moving Julio, considering their circumstances, than. A future second. I mean, that's a long time to get the cat before you cash that in. And I brought this up on Twitter to some 49ers fans, and, and they kind of liked it, and some did not, and were mad about it. But what about Trey Sermon, who the 49ers just drafted? The the mm-hmm. the Falcons have maybe the worst running back depth chart in the league right now. Um, if they valued Sermon at the third round level that the 49ers utilized that pick on, the Niners do have some depth at running back, and maybe that's something they didn't think they would do before the draft, and now the Niners are like, well, we don't have a lot of picks, but if you loved this player, maybe we can, and they drafted another running back too in the sixth round in Elijah Mitchell. What about that as part of it? Because he hasn't signed his rookie contract yet. Um, you know, So there's maybe some yeah. ways the 49ers could work that out with the young player, and if you are the Falcons, maybe you did value Trey Sermon. You're like, okay, let's start there. There's a third round value. Now give us a few, a future pick that's later because you don't have those first round picks. Maybe something like that could work out. But I agree with you. If you're looking for players and you're the Falcons, young players that have the most to go on their rookie contract and then obviously draft picks. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Like I'm sure the Niners wouldn't do Debo, you know, but I bet they, you know, Sermon would make some sense mm-hmm. or would the Raiders, Hey Raiders fans, would you trade Rugs straight up for yeah for Julio? That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I, I can see, see that. You know, I can see Rugs kind of fitting in because you've got the over the middle guy in Pitts, right. then you go the over the top guy in Rugs, and the do it all guy in Calvin Ridley. By the way, if Julio Jones does get traded, and actually probably right now is the best time to buy Calvin Ridley stock, should be through the roof, right? For fantasy oh, without purposes. question, yeah, I hundred percent agree. And and to bring this podcast full circle, this goes back to like the Minka trade. If you trade for like a guy like Ruggs right now, it is so cost friendly to the new team because first round signing bonus is, is significant as rookies go. You didn't have to pay it. You're cost controlled for the next couple of years, and then you can pick up the fifth year option. Like the Steelers have given Minka nothing, you know, out of their pockets. And, you know, Atlanta, I mean, it, it could be Ruggs, it could be any former high pick. 
you really get a good deal financially trading for a former first-round pick early in their career. Last one really quick. I want to shout out Christopher. He says, I've been promoting your podcast to a colleague I work with, and he's now a new listener. So shout out to Christopher and his colleague if they are listening. Uh, He says, he was amazed that I thought the Browns can be a Super Bowl contender. So my question to you is, can the Brownies win it all? I'm putting a couple of ducats on the Browns versus the 49ers at 66 to 1 for the Super Bowl. Wow. Possible. I mean, that's not a terrible bet. It's awful hard to hit two of them. I mean, it's like hitting a trifecta or whatever the two version of that is in horse racing. But I can see both teams being contenders at 66 to 1. I could put a buck down on that. Um, I think it's a tough road for Cleveland. You know, I mean, this is the first year you're the hunted and not the hunter. And I think that that's a different mentality you know it wouldn't take surprise me if they took a small step back and then took a giant step forward a year from now i have some reservations about mayfield but he did play very very well down the stretch they have an offensive line that can't be matched and i think that travels and makes them hard to play against every week and their defense is much improved and i believe in stefanski more than any recent browns coach getting out of the north won't be easy getting out of the afc won't be easy though buffalo kansas city It's so hard because things have to go so right for teams, but both of the teams you listed there could absolutely hit and could absolutely Mm -hmm. be playing in the Super Bowl. And yeah, the Browns are the Browns are one of those teams this year. And it kind of depends on if things go right and the continued development of their quarterback, really. Yeah. And as you know, with your Niners and the Browns, the same boat that it's not a Rogers Mahomes quarterback situation. He's going to put everything on his back and they both are very run heavy teams, which I kind of would like to see, you know, I mean, I I hate all this talk about running game doesn't matter. Running backs don't matter. I mean, uh, it's a much different conversation about paying them and using first round picks, but the running game matters. Run the ball well, play great defense, have good quarterback play that is great in certain spurts and wins you some games when it's needed, but you don't have to lean on that quarterback to win you every game. It's a good recipe. And both those teams have that recipe. Stay healthy and you got a good shot. Yeah. And it's definitely a war of attrition. Stay healthy is absolutely huge. Good stuff. Thanks for all the questions, everybody. Be back tomorrow. Uh, Matt, we talking offensive tackles at some point this week? We've got to do our mock fantasy drafts as well. Yeah, I'm putting my tackle rankings will be, you know, will be done tonight. They won't be published tomorrow, but I'm about seven eighths done with them as we speak. I've been working on them heavy this morning, so I'll have them to UBP tonight at some point. They might be rough, but they'll, they'll at least go 25 to 1. Okay. I got to be honest. There's, I started with like 35 names. You know, my, my process for these is every name I can think of, I just throw out there and I type in my sheet and then I just eliminate them. I had a, There was like 10 great ones that aren't going to make the list. Not great ones, but really good players that weren't, wouldn't make my list. It's a talented group. I mean, there's yeah. 64 starting tackles in the NFL, and a lot of them were drafted really high. A lot of them have a lot of pedigree. So I'm excited to yep. see your list of the top 25 offensive tackles. We'll get to that this week. We'll do a little fantasy draft as well, looking at the 2020 season from a fantasy perspective right here. Peacock and Williamson.